Hello and welcome to Discipleship, The Hard Sayings. I'm your host, Darren Laws, and I thank you for tuning in. Uh, We're going to continue our study today uh, through the seven churches. Uh, We're in Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, the Church of Smyrna, the little persecuted church. Studying for this church really makes you think about the world, makes you think about the church, makes you think, uh, at least for me, makes me think about my own walk as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ, and uh, am I being persecuted? And if I'm not, why not? Um, It just makes me think about the churches today, Um, a lot possibly becoming more worldly, becoming more like the world, being friends with the world, and instead of um, exposing the darkness, uh, which is why a lot of folks are being persecuted today all around the world, because they are exposing darkness. They're being the light of the world, as our Lord calls us to be, and when we do that effectively, Um, it upsets folks because men love their darkness. Um, In John chapter 3, verse 19, he says, And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, and neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So it's very evident that that men love the darkness. And uh, we did too before we were saved. If you're born again, uh, before you were born again, you loved the darkness and you hated the light. We were enemies of God. And... When the church shines bright and its light is shining bright and the truth is being spoken, people don't like that. Um, It upsets them and this is when persecution comes. Uh, Persecution doesn't come because of my attitude or the way I'm acting. I'm to be at peace with all men, the Bible tells me. Uh, But persecution comes when we start to reveal the truth, which is the light, which exposes the darkness or the sin. And that's when people start to get angry and defensive um, because they love their sin just as we love our sin. And and they want to hold on to it and keep it. So it really makes me think when I look around is, you know, not we don't really have any persecution much here in America right now. Uh, subject to change, but, you know, I I wonder if the church isn't maybe looking a little too much like the world, or maybe the world's just come into the church, and and I have a lot of thoughts on that, but that's not our discussion today. Um, Today we're going to look at this persecuted church in Smyrna, and we're going to take a look at why they're persecuted and I'd also encourage you, maybe as we go through this, to, to think about your mindset of how we view uh, a passage of Scripture such as this that's speaking of such great persecution. Uh, we look at these things sometimes as how horrible 
and horrendous. I can't believe that this would happen to these people. Um, and the reality is perhaps we should look at how wonderful and how amazing and how compassionate and loving is the Lord Jesus Christ. How great is our God that He has not left them, He has not forsook them. He is going through this, He is bringing them through it to be rewarded at the end with eternal life. And just how amazing is that? Um, sometimes we tend to read the Bible and and we make it about us. Uh, and we have a lot of benefits. There's a lot of promises and a lot of benefits uh, to us as human beings uh, that our Lord promises us, uh, including that which is if you're born again and your faith and trust is in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will spend all eternity with him in glory one day. And that by itself is an amazing promise. Uh, and an amazing thing to think about, and it's also a great encouragement to help us through trials and tribulations in this world, which Jesus says we will, in fact, have. So we're going to read uh, verses 8 through 11. And he says, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive, I know thy works, and tribulation, and poverty, but thou art rich. I know the blasphemy of them that say they are Jews, and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. And behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, and he that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your love towards your people. We just... Thank you, Lord, that we know that when we go through the trials of life that you're with us. We know that it's by your strength and by your power that we can get through these things. You don't pull us away from them, but you, you, you bring us through them. And you do this to bring glory to you. And we just thank you for that. I pray, as it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, that whatever we do, we would do to the glory of our great God. So I just pray, Lord, that as we look at these verses, that you would strengthen us, encourage us. And if there's one that may be listening that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I just pray that you might open their blinded eyes and their deaf ears, remove the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh, that you might draw them to yourself and save their soul, Lord. We just thank you that you're still a God that saves that you're still a God of miracles. And we just thank you for the grace that you give. May we extend that same grace to those we come in contact with. I just pray that as we, we study this passage, that it's glorifying to you, 
And I pray for us as all your people that we would honor and glorify your name in everything that we say and do and think. And it's in Christ's precious and most holy name. Amen. Amen. So as we look at this church in Smyrna, Smyrna was um, about 35 miles north of Ephesus. It too uh, was it had had an extensive trade to and from Asia, and it passed through the city. And during the first century A.D., Smyrna reigned as one of the grandest cities in all of Asia. Uh, so it too, as Ephesus was a, a beautiful city, so too was Smyrna. But also came with that uh, emperor worship, a bunch of pagan idolatry as really, I believe, is all over the world. Um, so that was going on here in Smyrna as well, but this little church in Smyrna was not caving to the, to the demands of culture. Uh, and they were suffering greatly for it. Our Lord starts off and says unto the angel of the church in Smyrna, Write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. This, to, this is this, a, a great encouraging uh, introduction our Lord gives to this church uh, if we were in the church of Smyrna and our Lord sent us a letter and it began this way, uh, this would deem great encouragement right out of the gate. I am the first and the last. Uh, that statement by itself, that I am the first and I am the last, is ascribed to God, to Yahweh. And here our Lord is using it as well, showing His deity and who He is. Uh, we can read about that even in Isaiah chapter 41 and uh, verse number 4 where he says, Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am He. Uh, we can also read about that in Isaiah 44 and verse 6 where he says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. None whatsoever. One God. Chapter 48 and verse 12, he says, Hearken unto me, O Jacob, and Israel, my called. I am he. I am the first. I also am the last. So we read here that this is ascribed to Yahweh. And our Lord is using it for himself here, showing his deity and who he is, that he himself, in fact, is God, the second person of the Godhead. Um, we have a triune God with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the second of the Godhead. And so this would bring great encouragement, uh, should bring great encouragement to us of knowing that our Lord Jesus Christ has always been, as we read in John 1, uh, John chapter 1, he tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, so we know that He has always been, 
Um, you know, the same was in the beginning with God. It says in verse 2 of John chapter 1, it says, And all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 14 says, And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, and the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So this is a great encouraging introduction of our Lord Jesus Christ to his persecuted church. And he says this, he says, I am the first and the last, but then he says, which was dead and is alive. Praise be to God that when he was nailed to that cross, when he was put in that tomb, that three days later he rose again. And this was would be great encouragement to this persecuted church as they would understand that the Lord Jesus Christ was alive. They lived in a world of pagan gods made with man's hands. These gods were made. Uh, they didn't breathe. They didn't see. Uh, they couldn't do anything. You had to pick it up and move it yourself and set it wherever you wanted it. But yet, here is our Lord, our Savior. He's living He's breathing. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for the saints. What great encouragement is this? We don't serve a dead God. We serve a living God. Uh, and we're thankful for it as well. And to these at Smyrna, this would bring great encouragement. And this introduction as well as bringing encouragement would, would also help them to to understand that Christ was there well before them and he's going to be there well after them. Uh, it's just a beautiful thing to know that if you're born again, you are kept in the hands of our great God and there's nothing, nothing can take you out of it. Um, you will persevere because you're kept by the power of God according to Peter. But here he tells them in verse number 9, he says, I know thy works and tribulation, and poverty. But thou art rich. And that may seem like a strange statement, uh, but they might have been poor physically. They might be suffering through persecution physically, but spiritually, they were abundantly rich. And sometimes we look at the circumstances on the outside and we tend to think of uh, somebody's either doing good or bad by how it looks on the outside. Uh, we do that in our day in the business world. If you know, if you have new trucks and everything's going, it looks nice, then you must be doing really well. If you have an old beat-up truck, well, maybe you're not doing so well. But we also know that's not always the case. Uh, much like this church here, is it's it's suffering, it has tribulation, but our Lord confirms to them that I know. He says, I know. I know your works. I know what you're doing. I know you're being faithful. There's no condemnation to this church. They're not perfect, but they're being faithful. And he knows this, and he tells them that, and, he, and he's reminding them that I know your tribulation. I know your poverty. You know, he, He's not a God that doesn't know. He knows the number of hairs on our heads. He's that 
personal of a God. You know, how awesome is he? <laughs> he's the eternal Christ. You know, he's, he, he knows, <laughs> and he's telling them that, that. I know. I know your tribulation. I know that you're suffering persecution. I know why you're suffering persecution. Um, they wouldn't give in. They wouldn't give in to the culture. They wouldn't give in to emperor worship which is probably why they suffered such great poverty, um, because they would not deem Caesar as Lord above their Christ. Uh, and so they suffer for that. They didn't give in. They didn't compromise their faith. They didn't give in to the pagan worship going around that was in the culture. Uh, they weren't out worshiping all the idols and uh, this plethora of gods that they all worshiped. They were being faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. So not only... Were they suffering persecution from it, not uh, worshiping the emperor? So they were also just uh, suffering persecution from the pagans and the Jews. Uh, so they were getting persecuted on all sides because they <laughs> they didn't cave in, they didn't give in. And uh, our Lord goes on to say that I know the blasphemy of them that say they are Jews and are not but are of the synagogue of Satan. Uh, these kind of Jews that, that didn't trust in Christ, that didn't recognize Christ as the Messiah, uh, did not necessarily get along well uh, with the Christians. Um, there was a lot of Jews. They were, they were outwardly religious. Uh, in Romans chapter 2, Paul tells us, um, Romans chapter 2 and verse 28 and 29. He tells us that, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. And so we know that there's, there's those that, that claim to be Jews and are not by the standard that Paul just laid out to be a Jew. And in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 15, uh, he says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature, a new creation, a regenerated person, one who has been born again. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that we become a new creature and old things passed away and behold all things become new. So we, they were being persecuted by these so-called Jews. And Jesus gives a harsh word and says they're of the synagogue of Satan. And I think that's leading us to, to understand that even though these religious people, uh, the religious elite here, uh, were still being used by Satan. Uh, John chapter 8 and verse 44 Jesus deals with this uh, very issue, dealing with them. 
And when he says that ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in truth, because there is no truth in him. And when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. And so Jesus calls them out, telling them that they're serving their father. And here they are being called of the synagogue of Satan uh, to persecute his dear church. And But our Lord goes on to tell them in verse 10, he says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. And this is where it gets interesting to me as I read and I study this. And I, I don't read about Jesus telling them that they're going to get out of this persecution, that he's coming to deliver them out of it. He's coming to rescue them and to make their life better. He doesn't tell them that. And this is it's astonishing to me that he doesn't. He says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Instead, he encourages them. And, and tells them, I am the first, I am the last, I am the one that was dead, and I am alive forevermore. Now do not fear what man can do to you. Don't fear man. And this is it's absolutely an amazing statement. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye might be tested and you shall have tribulation 10 days that you might be tested this is a concept that we read all the way all the way through scripture of being tested being tried being proven you know where does where do we stand in our faith are we truly born again or are we a nominal christian are we only a christian by name um, he tested abraham uh, to offer up Isaac. He tested Noah, who built the ark. Moses, who brought the people out. Uh, and there's just all kinds of testing that goes all the way through Scripture. This is not a new concept. And we're still being tested today. We're still being tried and proven uh, today to strengthen and encourage uh, us in the faith. But he says that you might be tested. It, this is a purifying process. Um, as we're tried and as we're, we're, we're tested and we go through things. Um, in 1 Peter chapter 5. He tells us in verse 10. He says, But the God of all grace, who have called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye suffer a while, make you perfect, and establish, and strengthen, and settle you. Uh, so these kinds of things come through our testings and through our trials. And in 1 Peter 4.12, he tells us again, he says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. So our trials and the persecutions that come, they they test us, but they also 
show us our faith. They, they, they give us security in knowing that we're in the hand of God, of knowing that it's His power that carries us through. Uh, we talk to a lot of people and they, they tend to doubt their salvation um, so often. And a lot of times that's because their faith may be in something other than Christ, but that's not what we're talking about today. But some of them doubt. Uh, but when we go through trials and we, we tend to look back at some of our trials and we see the hand of God at work in our lives and that strengthens us and that brings encouragement to us and that's what we have kind of going on here they're going to be tried and tested and proven and these things also bring great glory to our awesome God we're going to have trials in this life we're going to have struggles uh, in this life because we live in a sin fallen world uh, it's only to be expected if we think that when we become born again, that life all of a sudden is going to become just easy and good. And, and uh, we have these teachings that, you know, if you trust in Christ, and then all of a sudden your, your life's going to get better, your marriage is going to get better, your job's going to get better, thing, all these things are going to get better, and that's not necessarily the case. We live in a fallen world. And... Uh, Jesus tells us in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. So where is our peace? Is it in our circumstances? Is it in our trials? No. Our peace comes in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he goes on to say this, In the world ye shall have tribulation. He says, But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. That's what our Lord tells us. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So he's telling them here that you might be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. And then he tells them, Be thou faithful unto death. Be thou faithful unto death. These are some tough words from our Lord to say to be faithful unto death you know i think in the flesh i would rather hear i'm going to get you out of this just hold on you know i'm gonna i'm gonna come and deliver you but he says to be faithful unto death so if you're in that position and, and your life is on the line for the faith and for the name of jesus christ he says to be faithful unto death and we read things in the psalm from David, like Psalm 56, 11, where he says, In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. And our Lord Jesus Christ tells us in Matthew 10, verse 28, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell and that's a great encouragement from our lord and we also read the words of paul in um second timothy chapter 4 and verse 7 and 8 uh, where he's drawing near to the end of his life and he's 
He's, he's finished his race. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And uh, that's what we're looking at here. He says, be faithful unto death. Be faithful unto death. Um, we should be willing to lay down our lives for our faith. I'm thankful to God that He doesn't require that of all of us, but we need to be willing. Our Lord needs to be, number one, preeminent in our life. Uh, everything else is secondary to the things of the Lord. And he says to be faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. I will give thee a crown of life. And in James chapter 1 and verse 12, he says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And what a great <laughs> promise that is. And that goes to all of us today who are born again and love the Lord Jesus and serve Him. We know at the end we receive the crown of life. And uh, we can receive many other crowns for the things we do faithfully for the Lord that we might cast them back at His beautiful feet. What an amazing time that will be in the presence of our Lord. I can't wait. Um, so he tells them to be faithful. He tells this little persecuted church that's being persecuted by, by Jews, they're being persecuted by the empire, they're being persecuted by the pagans, uh, and they're just not caving in. They're being faithful. He says, I know your works. <laughs> they're being faithful to the Lord, and they're suffering greatly for it. And the Lord is here telling them who he is, and that he's amongst them, he's with them, he's strengthening them, and he's the one that's keeping them. And that is the greatest encouragement we can glean from this, is that it's our Lord that keeps us. We don't keep him. He keeps us. We're in the Father's hand. We're in the Son's hand. Nothing can snatch us out of it. Amen. And then when here in verse 11, he says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcome shall not be hurt of the second death. He says, He that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. And if we remember who is he that overcomes in 1 John chapter 5, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Those that are born again are overcomers. We're overcomers because of our Lord. And he says you will not be hurt of the second death. What is the second death? Well, we can look in Revelation chapter 20. Uh, 
in verse 6. And he says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and Christ shall and they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And in verse 14, uh, actually let's start in verse 11 of chapter 20 and we'll just read through to verse 14 or 15. He says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And the one sitting on that throne is the same one that gave the introduction to this little church in Smyrna. This is the same one that the earth is fleeing from. Uh, what kind of great encouragement is that? Our Lord came as a humble baby, born in the flesh, but He's coming back in glory. And uh, we eagerly await <laughs> that day. But he says, There was found no place for them, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books, plural, books were opened. Uh, and another book, singular, was opened. This singular book is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, plural, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Whosoever's name is not in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. So we see here at the end, here in verse 11 of chapter 2, that those that overcome shall not be hurt by the second death. Why? Because our names are written in the book of life, because our faith and our trust is in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that if any of you listening don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would put your faith and trust in Him today. Um, because as I just read, there's a judgment to come. Our Lord's coming to judge the wickedness of this world. He's going to bring His bride, His church, His people home to Him. And He's going to judge the wickedness of this earth. And all those that are in the world, as we just read, they're going to, they're going to come up from the graves <laughs> to stand before the great white throne judgment of a holy and just God. A day of reckoning is coming where you're going to give an account. All sin must be punished. It's either punished on the Lord Jesus Christ or it will be punished on the individual. But either way, it will be punished. So I just pray and I hope that if you're listening to this and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would put your faith and trust in Him today. Cry out to Him for mercy. He is faithful and just for all those that seek Him with their whole heart. And this is the letter written to this little faithful church in Smyrna. What a great encouragement it is, not only to Smyrna at the time they received it, but to us today. 
This is a letter that I can take, not just for me individually, to be faithful, to not compromise the truth, to shine a bright light in this dark and wicked world, to expose the evils thereof, whatever that cost may be, and to share this gospel of, of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a church, and as the pastors of churches, that you would stand faithful in the pulpits, that you would proclaim this beautiful truth that our Lord has given us, teaching the whole counsel of God, edifying the body, the flock that the Lord has set before you. As Peter tells us in, in 1 Peter 5, uh, verse 2, he says, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So, pastors, as you stand in pulpits, preach and teach the truth. Be faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ and feed his flock that he set before you. And I thank you again for listening. I pray that we can be faithful to our Lord. I pray that as we study the rest of these churches that we might grow an understanding of what our Lord expects of us. He expects us to be faithful at all costs, and that's very relevant in today as it has been throughout all of time. May we not compromise the truth. May we stand firm no matter what the world says, but may we also be at peace with all men if it has anything to do with us. May our speech be seasoned with salt and grace, but may we faithfully share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the day you give us. We just thank you for the time that you give us on this earth. It is but a vapor. We're not here long. May we make the most of the time that you give us. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just guide and direct in our lives, that you would strengthen us through your truth. I pray for everyone that might listen to this, that it might strengthen them and help encourage them to, to study and to grow in the knowledge of who you are. And for the one that doesn't know you, I pray, Lord, that you might prick their heart, that you might remove that heart of stone and give them that heart of flesh and save souls as only you can, Lord. We just thank you that you're sovereign over all things. We thank you that in the chaos of this world, we don't have to panic. We don't have to worry. We don't have to just wonder what's happening because we know and we know that you're on the throne. We know that you're in control. And we know that one day all of this will come to an end. We know that one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. We know that one day that we're going to be in your presence for all eternity. We know that one day we won't be battling with sin. That our minds and our thoughts will be perfectly pure. Our bodies will be pure. Our ailments will be gone. Every tear shall be wiped away. Because your word tells us that God himself is going to wipe away that tear. And oh, we eagerly await that day. We eagerly await it, Lord. We pray for your soon return. We pray that you are glorified on this earth through your saints and through your judgment. 
and we thank you for the grace that you give us in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I thank you for listening. And if you have any questions or any comments, you can feel free to email at discipleshipths at gmail.com. And I'll be sure to get back to you. And I just pray that you would be studying the Word and growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Have a good day.